the drama around my video being referenced on the Linus Tech Tips When Show podcast. So I released a video about Linus's plans to make a reaction channel. What I said wasn't particularly negative against him. I just used it as an opportunity to more talk about reaction content in general. And at the end, I touched on how a lot of what he plans to do is not stuff I generally criticize and stuff in many cases that I wouldn't even call reaction content. Stuff that I've done myself in the past, uh, like community submission sort of stuff. He referenced Corridor Digital and what they do as like the gold standard of reaction content, which I agree. That's the thing where like, they'll come together with experts and watch something. And then the video that you end up getting is less them watching something and more everything they say that actually has some substance with a little bit of what they're watching for context. My video became the focus of the first and main topic of The Wan Show, a podcast that uh, Luke and Linus of Linus Tech Tips do every week. The title being, I've been called out before the channel has even been released. There is no interpretation of my video that could be made uh, where that characterization would make sense. It clearly wasn't a call out of any description. But worse than that, neither Luke or Linus had watched the video and instead had their writer, uh, in my view, poorly summarize it in like a couple of lines. It was like a 20 minute video. Two times, you can get that done in 10 minutes. There was no reason not to watch it. I don't care how strapped for time you are. If you're going to dedicate a segment of your weekly podcast to something and like the grand total of time needed to be invested to be educated about the thing is 10 minutes, you should probably do it. That's not a huge ask. Like if you're not prepared to talk about something, just don't talk about it. I wasn't expecting a response. And I think given the content of the video, I don't know why it is talked about at all or they plan to talk about it at all. So like, I'm not annoyed they didn't watch it because they have every right not to watch it. I'm annoyed that they didn't watch it and still wanted to talk about it. It's like if I said, I saw the glass onion last week, but actually, no, I didn't really see it. I had some guy summarize it for me in a couple of lines. Let me now spend the next 45 minutes talking about the movie. It was, it was, a, it was just a very strange interaction made worse by Linus apparently having spent more time reading my comment section than it would have taken to watch the video, arguing that you can get a better sense of the context and deeper discussion of a video by just reading the comment section and not watching the video itself. Very strange argument to make, especially considering that video would technically be like the 18th in a long line of videos. It was just, it was just a very strange circumstance. It was just, it's just so confusing. Even repeating it now, it just seems so strange that no one at any point in that process is like, hey, does this make sense to do? At no point should someone communicate, look, I haven't seen the thing before, but here's my opinion on it. It's funny because this somewhat mirrors my criticism I've had of commentary channels. Well, I like commentary channels where they're like focused on one thing, where you have channels that like, I know, talk about board games or talk about Magic the Gathering or talk about tech or talk about cryptocurrencies, or whatever. Like think, people who are very engrossed and focused on one topic so they know the wider context of anything that they speak on. Then you get into these situations where people talk about things just because they're popular or they feel obligated in some way to talk about them. And it leads to the worst content because you don't know anything. The likelihood of you misinforming people because of your lack of understanding of the grand narrative is so much higher. When you do commentary of any kind, like where you have to get a certain amount of commentary out every week, sometimes there's not gonna be enough stories on topics that you know stuff about. So you're gonna be somewhat forced by your job to talk about things you know less about. Like I would never seek to put rules against doing that or something like obviously commentary channels have their place and, uh, and and provide some value. I just wish people were more cognizant of like, do I know enough about this topic to be speaking on at length to millions of people? Like th that, that thought is something that I think people should have a lot. Linus replied to me on Twitter with an apology and invited me on the WAN show. You can pause and read it if you like. 
Will I go on the WAN show? Look, I've seen, I'd say, almost every episode of the WAN show for the last couple of years. I've been mentioning it once before, actually, because I've reviewed it in Rambles and Luke saw it. I know people criticize Linus, but I, I like them both. I'm just in general not very comfortable talking to people at all. I'm in general not comfortable with attention at all either. I like people focusing on my videos rather than me personally, which is a hard line to draw sometimes. I should probably do it because it's... So I have this attitude of like, I should just agree to do basically anything that I get offered to do. For a long period in my life, I was very hesitant to try new experiences and it prevented me from doing a lot of wonderful, cool things. Even just simple things. Like I remember when I was a kid and there was this really cool slide and I wouldn't go on it, regardless of what my mother said or what she promised me, I just wouldn't go on it. And then, you know, after like a bunch of years of going to that same place and just never going on that slide, I eventually went on it. It was the funnest goddamn thing ever. And that's kind of the attitude I take to life now, where I just try everything at least once. And for that reason alone, even if I'm not sure what we'll talk about, or if it would be a complete shit show, I will probably say, yeah, let's go on the WAN show, why not? You know, could be fun. Do you have problems with overly potent attention? Yes. It is an interesting thing for people to accuse me of starting drama for attention. Such people clearly don't know me very well. <laughs> New GTA Online exploit allows modders to ruin your accounts. Hopefully by the time this gets in rambles, it will be old news, but as Tez reports, New extreme exploits have appeared allowing cheaters to remotely add, remove, modify your stats and permanently corrupt your account, aka ban slash delete. Avoid playing without a firewall rule or playing at all. Thanks to Henry got taken for notifying. So these are the new things they can do. Change your rank, unlocks, corrupt your account, remove money, put you in bad sport, or whatever the fuck it is for Rockstar. You can give money and uh, they can also get you banned and all that jazz. And so here you can see the results of this effects. But also, I've seen multiple people, even content creators like whatever 57010, and I'm pretty sure Mors Mutual both got screwed by these new mods, these new hacks, these new cheats, whatever. Absolute garbage. I think Mors Mutual was able to get his account back by deleting some files, and whatever 57010 got his account back with the help of a good modder. So, for the foreseeable future, I can't even play GT Online. It's possible that Guardian could defend me. Guardian being the program that changes your firewall to prevent people from joining your sessions, including preventing these people from being able to impact you. But it's possible Guardian won't be 100% foolproof, and it's possible that, like, I might accidentally turn off Guardian and get completely screwed. Guardian's fine when, like, if it doesn't work, your game crashes and you just have to restart. But it's a different story when, if it screws up, I'm gonna lose my entire account. I don't know if single player is fine, I know they can crash me in single player, but I'm not sure these effects would be able to impact me. Cause like my online character wouldn't be loaded necessarily, right? But I don't know. So hopefully this gets solved. I've got a lot of stuff to edit anyway. I'll probably avoid single player even, except maybe doing chaos. And for that, I'll use guardian as well. Like it's one thing that these exploits are possible. Like that's stupid of course, but it's crazy that these people who make these mod menus are willing to put these in the programs that they sell. Like, they have absolutely no fear that there's gonna be any kind of reprisal, any consequences for their actions, that Rockstar's gonna do anything. I mean, could Rockstar do something if they really wanted to? Could they take these people to court or get the police involved? I don't know. It just sucks that we have to spend so much time worrying about this shit when no other game has this kind of bullshit. Like, other games have their exploits, have their issues, but nothing this bad. Tez notes that the exploit is partial remote code execution. So this could transform into something much worse. Temporary fix for accounts that have been corrupted. Not necessarily screwed like this, but some people can't get back into the accounts at all. And apparently you delete Rockstar Games folder and documents. 
Rockstar is aware and have been logging any affected accounts before the first mod menu started abusing the new exploits. So hopefully it all just gets reversed and nothing ends up being a huge problem. It just sucks. As we often say, billion dollar company, remember guys? Billion dollar company. Rockstar's been in a lot of hot water, especially because they have now released the definitive editions for the older GTA titles onto Steam. Before it was a Rockstar Games launcher exclusive, but they made no significant changes. So the so the definitive editions are still massively terrible versions of the original games with a lot of different bugs and glitches that didn't exist in the original games and a lot of the charm and atmosphere completely removed because of the weird ass art style they used. And they're still selling it for $60. It's crazy. It's an interesting question. Like, I still believe as long as GTA 6 is good, no one will give a shit. Everyone will love Rockstar again, and all this we swept under the rug. But they definitely keep adding to that animosity, that lack of respect that people now have for Rockstar games with every one of these little scandals. I mean, calling these little scandals, but they're little in the grand scheme of things. To the surprise of everyone, Rockstar has actually acknowledged the issues with GTA Online right now with all the mod menus and crashing and uh, potential remote code execution on your PC and stuff. All that terrible, terrible stuff. But to the surprise of no one, it is a very unsatisfying response. We are aware of potential new exploits in GTA Online for PC, which we aim to resolve in an upcoming planned security-related title update. If you think you might have experienced any related issues, please reach out to Rockstar Support. Now, this is probably the funniest part of this little announcement here. Because Rockstar Support, all they do is say, what, you're having issues? Uh, try verifying your uh, cache on Steam and uh, restart your game. Check your firewall settings and uh, restart your PC potentially. Well, you didn't fix the problem. Close ticket. <laughs> problem solved. They know nothing about the game. It's like they've just taken a couple of random people off the street, put them in front of PCs and said, look, just say these four things over and over again until people stop bothering you. The Rockstar support is awful. A beast giraffe says down here, will you be slowly feeding the planned security related title update? Very funny because the most recent update with the drug DLC, they've really drip fed it where it's coming out so intermittently. I don't even think all the missions are out for the drug DLC yet, but whatever. Of course, they say this on like the support account. So they're not really announcing to the world that uh, if you play GTA Online right now on PC, your PC is at risk and stuff. All kind of shady, but hopefully this security-related title update actually does something and uh, stops these mod menus from fucking with everyone. We shall see. I'll be real with you, though. I'm surprised it's taking so long because it's been weeks since this stuff was a major issue, right? It's been three weeks. Like, how complicated could it possibly be? Is it a matter of complexity or a matter of a lack of will? Can't know, I suppose. New mass percent world record. The one second run. So you guys likely know of the meme that I have the world record for the individual level of masks in GTA 5. Two seconds, first person to ever do it. Even though a hundred other people have done it now, I was the first person to do it. And I said, it's impossible to get one second. And that's technically true. But Twist the Tamer has been screwing around with like doing glitches and stuff for mission replays. And he came up with something that enabled him to get one second for masks. So he's starting a stock car race. I'm ready to go. Capping his FPS. And like he's starting masks and then starting the stock car race at like the exact same time, basically. And so when he loads into masks, he like instantly fails and buys the mask. 
And so then it passes the mission, but he gets one second. Weirdest fucking thing. This will be on the leaderboards, but if you like, just consider me to still have the glitchless mass percent world record. It's, it's a funny meme. It's a funny meme. I went into a GT Online public lobby and was called a fake. So at one point in time, while I wasn't streaming, I turned on GT Online, and I was in just a random lobby, and I typed in just the public chat, and someone was like, oh look, it's a fake Dark Viper AU. And then I got kicked from the server. <laughs> Like, my game got crashed. Clearly someone in there was a person with a mod menu who wasn't fucking with people. But when they saw me and thought I was impersonating myself, they kicked me from the server. <laughs> I mean, it's my own fault. I've said many, many times that I don't go into public lobbies. So, what other conclusion could they have reached? Do taller people have a higher chance of getting cancer? So, interesting fact that I learned, and it makes like intuitive sense when you hear it, but I had never thought about it before, is that taller people inherently have a higher chance of getting cancer. Because you're taller, you obviously have more cells, and that means there is a greater amount of cells that can possibly become cancerous. I wish I remember the numbers. It was like, so apparently for every extra 10 centimeters, you have roughly a five to 10% chance increased risk of getting cancer, depending upon the particular type of cancer. I thought that was nuts. When you hear that, you're like, that makes sense. Never thought about that before. Curse Kazart accused of producing propaganda funded by billionaires. I apologize for saying the channel's name, Curse Gazats. Wrong many times. Cyrus sent this video, how Kyrgyzstat cooks propaganda for billionaires. For those who are unaware, this is like a German educational channel that produces videos on everything from climate change to meat eating and all this stuff. Its videos have Millions upon millions of views. I think they got like 15 million subscribers or something. This video hasn't hit a million in one month. Got a lot of sources, uh, a lot of likes, and basically it accuses Kyrgyzstat of basically just being funded by billionaires and pumping out their propaganda to influence the world in the direction that uh, the billionaires want it directed. And you get to the end and only a handful of times do they actually call into question the results of the videos that have been produced. Like they might say, oh, this video that they produced is a little bit more rosy than you know, this other data suggests. Most of this is just talking about how they believe that Kyrgyzstat is not open enough with who funds them and who their sources actually are for their information. And when I got to the end of this, I'm like, you can't fucking trust anyone. It sucks. But the other thing that came to mind was, say I was a billionaire, what would I do with that money? And my answer is, I would attempt to fund things that enable me to better understand the world, and then I would use that understanding to attempt to make the world better for other people. And a part of that would necessarily be attempting to convince the world that my perceptions and my believed path forward for the betterment of humanity is something that they also should believe in. But I recognize that this mindset is coming from a person who probably doesn't have the right mindset to become a billionaire in the first place. This is a mindset of a person who accidentally stumbled into a little bit of wealth by playing a video game. I'm not sure I trust that the current billionaires have that same sort of mindset. So while the idea of a billionaire funding research and funding educational videos isn't inherently wrong to me, it seems as though it's something that you'd have to be very trustworthy wasn't just leading to the manipulation of society for the, say, the financial gains of the billionaire class, right? That these billionaires are not 
necessarily trying to steer the world in like a egalitarian, what's better for everyone sort of direction. Potentially, they are just directing it in a way that's the best for them personally and their friends and their interests. Like, I'm not sure how I could determine whether some study was done unbiasedly and just happened to be funded by a billionaire versus one that was done biasedly and was funded by a billionaire. I suppose there would always be the potential for bias. I guess it would just depend on where the results ended up being influenced by that bias or not. Like, research costs money and someone has to fund it. And that funding is necessarily going to induce some bias. Can there ever be stuff that's truly trustworthy when money is involved? To become a billionaire requires a certain kind of selfishness to hoard that kind of money. I am more of the belief that obscene wealth to that degree requires more luck than anything else. Certainly, some mentalities are more important like in pursuing that. But like, if you invent something that is worth a lot to the market and then you sell it and a part of that gives you, say, stock in Facebook or something, and then Facebook becomes worth billions and you sell your stock. You're now a billionaire. But you just happen to have good fortune to get to that angle. That would be very different than a person grabbing for every penny, squeezing every worker for every drop, or like becoming an oligarch in Russia or something, when you get public assets for pennies at some point and then become a billionaire in that direction. In summary, feel free to watch the video. It's just a video that makes me think and makes me continue to be skeptical about the world and hate that I have to be skeptical to this degree because nothing seems trustworthy. Or at the very least, the degree of effort that would be required to vet even a tiny fraction of what I consume on a day-to-day -day basis is so much that it's it's impossible to do. You should check out the channel Think That Through. They did a similar analysis. Uh, did I finish this video? I can't remember. The thing you need to remember, though, is even these videos aren't necessarily free of bias or unnecessarily correct and are potentially just giving another perspective, which could be countered by Kyrgyzstan if they want to spend the time. I do, however, have a bit of a bias towards believing that the longer the video, and not just like a person sitting doing nothing or whatever, but like an actual well-researched video, like the longer it is, the more likely it is able to cover everything from every direction. When you're making these sort of pop culture, easily consumable video for the masses, like Kyrgyzstan does, you got a 10 minute video, there's no way that you can condense decades of research into a 10 minute video while being fair to all sides or countering every possible minutia or a bit of ambiguity and arguing for your beliefs in regards to ambiguity, right? It's, it, you just can't do that, you don't have the time. One 10 minute video appealing to emotion will be more effective in changing how people perceive the world than a two hour essay, especially because you can pump out more 10 minute ones. I just food for thought videos if you want something to watch. Full self-driving cars and the battle against car dominance. So my statements here may be somewhat surprising because I probably looked pretty impressed at what AI art is producing, but I'm not impressed by what I see self-driving doing. So this video, Tesla full self-driving is not in a good place, basically just goes through an experience of 21 minutes of a dude driving with full self-driving in a Tesla. And it seems awful. The amount of times where he's like, it just feels so awkward, man. It's doing something so dumb. I have to take control because people are looking at me. And the amount of times where it's like, well, it can't do this now. So I have to take control and like do a U-turn and stuff. It just seems trash. And the rebuttal there is, well, everything seems bad in the beginning. Like give it 20 years, what's this going to look like? But 
I mean, ignoring that Elon Musk has been saying since 2013 that we're one year away from full self-driving. Ignore that, of course, but this is just Elon Musk. I just think, how good would this have to be for me to be comfortable just letting an AI drive my car? Because this is like a mistake can lead to my death at that point. It's not like AI art, which isn't going to kill someone or something. I'm already a person who's fairly nervous as a driver, and I don't even like driving all that much. I mean, I can enjoy myself driving sometimes, but the the everyday experience of like traffic and worrying where I'm going to go and stuff, I hate that shit. If it wasn't for GPS, it'd be intolerable. A mistake leads to your death driving anyway. Yeah, but there's that emotional desire to have control over your fate, not to leave your fate up to others. But then again, I mean, I go into public transport and I'm fine with that. My fate's not in my hands then. I go on a plane and my fate isn't in my hands then either. I guess it would just be a matter of like just needing to be shown a reality where this tech has driven tons of other people around for a long time and no problems have happened. And then I guess I would just look at that evidence and go, well, I guess I'll accept it too. But when I look at stuff like this of him driving around like this and the car being unable to sense certain things and do certain stuff and even the slightest bit of difficulty like this car stopping here and it doesn't understand that it's parked. It gets so confused. Terrifying. It's just clearly full self-driving isn't there yet. And it just looks so terrifying right now. I remember watching that video by CPG Grey, like, so this was back in 2016, talking about how self-driving can solve all traffic issues. And this seems so optimistic about it. And that was seven years ago. And self-driving right now is still so shit. Of course, by the way, this video has been massively criticized in terms of, uh, its solution, like here, um, by Adam something. If you're unaware of it, there's this constant battle on YouTube between people who fucking love cars and think that everything should be based around cars, and these people who point out all the things that are given up by catering the entirety of human existence and society around cars, and how much more efficient public transport is. How much is better for the environments, better for everyone's quality of life, having walkable cities and stuff. And they make a very strong case. And I get to the end of it, I'm like, man, I do like having a car though, the convenience of just being able to drive wherever I want to at, the, at a moment's notice and not having to worry about like, when's the next train coming or what have you. But then again, I've never lived in a place with very good public transport. When I grew up, like you had to drive places or you had no choice. Like you, you could not go anywhere. And it would always piss me off because I wanted a train when I was younger so that I could get a train to the city to drink and it just wasn't there. I had to take like buses and stuff and like I remember sprinting through the city multiple times to catch like the last bus at like 1.15 in the morning or something. Awful. When I see this show Not Just Bikes talk about all the different sort of ways that a society or a city can be constructed to allow for bikes and uh, different levels of, of car infrastructure and stuff and different levels of public transport, buses, trams, trains. It's all very fascinating and stuff that I have effectively no experience with, having lived my entire life with cars as a necessity to go anywhere. If I was gonna make a prediction, what was more likely that cities would all be retrofitted to be like more walkable, have more access for bikes and whatnot, and cars be downplayed, or full self-driving becomes like a reality that everyone has, like everyone has full, full self-driving, I would bet more on the machines. Because I feel like the cycle of replacing cars five, 10 years or something, what's the average, I'm not sure. Whatever that cycle is, you could have different generations of cars, but different generations of entire cities. Like you don't just replace the entire infrastructure of a city. 
at least not easily. Like the, the fundamental shifting of people's attitudes and goals would just be absolutely so significant to change that, right? I mean, there's no reason you couldn't have both. I'm just saying like, if I was gonna bet on one changing how transport works, I would go with the full self-driving. I just think if it works, it's easier to implement than a fundamental restructuring of uh, culture, people's attitudes towards public transport and the infrastructure of an entire city. I say, just things that I've been seeing that I find interesting. Why few big content creators will openly support my views on React content? Slump says, Whoa, it's insane how bad these streamers, YouTubers made Dark Viper out to be. They made him seem so crazy and batshit that I even believed that Dark Viper was just a rambling buffoon that didn't have a good argument. They made me think he was just a one-off creator that's petty and jealous of views, so I never even tried to seek out his argument. Now that I've seen his side, I'm starting to see how bad React content is and how these streamers are truly taking away the whole point of creating new fresh content. It's just painful chat. Knowing that I could have an impact if I was just more charismatic or if I was just better at this, if I had more dedicated myself 10 months ago rather than just having a half-hearted attempt at writing a script and trying to go back to working on pacifist. You can't live regretting the past, but like it didn't matter what I would say or how, like that end result was going to be it because React has got to protect their bag. You're great at most and even all stuff. There is specifically one thing that I have always sucked at, and that is speaking. Always. I don't like giving speeches. I don't like scripted content, reading scripts. I, I just suck at it. I'm not even very good, even to this day, at speaking during a live stream. I'm just not. I'll often stumble over my words, have to go back and stuff. I've been doing this for years now, and I'm still much worse than people who've just started doing this like a year ago. I'm way better than I once was, but still pretty bad. You've started the ball rolling. You've reached more people than most of us could. Hopefully more big original content creators get on board with the message. I don't think it'll ever happen. No one wants a microscope put at what they're doing and for what they're doing to potentially be called into question. No one wants to pick fights with all the larger content creators who have got there because of their ability to pull everyone's work to themselves and siphon impressions and therefore viewers away from the wider market. We aren't in 2016 anymore where most of the large creators were themselves original content creators. We're in a new market where most of the large creators, or at least a lot of them, are themselves reactors. Like, do you really want to risk pissing off millions of people and close yourself off from many of the people who e exist on your same level? I mean, I did it, but I care about this stuff a lot. Like, I'm not the average sort of person. I'm a bit weird in terms of my goals and desires for life. I'm a lot more focused on ethics and my impact on others. And I just don't think there will ever be enough people who understand the nuances of what I'm discussing. It's more complicated. Like, even though reaction content works in a similar way to the lottery, in that the lottery doesn't create additional money, it just moves it around. In the same way that reactors don't create additional exposure, they just move it around. And the lottery keeps a chunk of the money for itself and the reactors keep a chunk of the exposure for themselves. The mechanisms of the lottery is far more clear-cut and a closed-off system where reaction content is just endless different small inner working parts that require a lot of foundational knowledge that most people won't have. Like, I don't think there's a single person in existence who I couldn't sit down with and within a couple of hours have them agreeing with me, but I can't just have that conversation with millions of people.